Blog Talk Radio. I think we'll end that. Obviously, we're having an audio problem this morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf show. I'm uh, Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, every week is Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf show, and I apologize for that. Good morning, and welcome, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. Yeah, we had, uh, I don't know what happened there, but something happened with the audio. But anyways, um, glad you could join us this morning, everybody, and um, just a, a quick reminder before we get started. Uh, you can find us each and every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf. Uh, just go to the link blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, and that will take you to the show every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern. And for some reason, if you can't join us uh, during the live broadcast, not to worry, just follow that link and just scroll down through the page to the on-demand section, and all of the previously aired uh, programs will be there for you to listen at your own convenience and you can also follow us through itunes for those of you that use itunes go to itunes.com and under the podcast section uh just type in women of golf and that will take you to the show as well uh to speak with either cindy or i or any of the guests on the show at any time you can call into area code 347-945-5855 and if you're interested in coming on the show if you're somebody in the golf profession whether you're a teaching professional or tour player or what have you and you want to come on uh, you can reach out to Cindy at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, uh, or you can reach out to me as well at Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. Got a great show for you this morning. Uh, Going to start things off here in just a moment. Uh, on a, have a discussion on the three levels or categories of students, the not advanced or beginning student, uh, intermediate and advanced uh, students. And there's actually the pros as well. So there are actually four categories, but we're not going to talk about those uh, today. And then we're going to be followed up a little bit later with an interview with Kathleen uh, Heine, who is a uh, LPJ Class A teacher professional from Denver, Colorado. Uh, she'll be joining us in the second half of the program. But, uh, Cindy, you're on the road this morning. You're on your way uh, to get ready to teach, a, 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 I guess, a junior camp, is it? It is. We run summer junior camp in Buffalo. And today is the first day of camp. We run it for three days. And um, we've only got six kids. We try to limit it. Maximum is eight, and we had one get hurt in a soccer tournament last night. But, um, yeah, so we're looking forward to helping these kids learn how to play better golf. So um, are are they sort of ranging, in, in, and this will sort of work perfectly into the segment here, um, do they range in ability from, are they all pretty much beginning golfers or some of them have been playing for a little while that maybe they're, um, uh, you know, maybe uh, an intermediate-type golfer, and are there any that uh, maybe even a, a little more advanced in their play compared to some of the others? What what level would you categorize them at? The, uh, the students we have for this week are mainly all beginners. Maybe okay. one is a little bit intermediate. And what we're going to do is we're going to use the U.S. Kids Golf System, and they have right. different, three different levels of play. And to get to the next level, you have to be able to accomplish some tasks, which I believe makes it, number one, a little more interesting and less boring um, and a little more organized. So 
The kids right. know exactly what's expected of them, and otherwise they just lash away and keep whacking and don't have any organization and really don't know what they're doing. And as I mentioned to you off the air, I do not want to run a babysitting service. I do love kids, but right. not in the mood to babysit. So you're only coming to see us <laughs> if you really want to get better. Yeah, and, and that raises a great point. You know, obviously, um, you know, when you're dealing uh, with, with some of the youngsters that you do, um, you know, they, they want to sort of just do whatever they want to do. And you have to have some structure or organization um, in, in, in order to give them direction. And, and certainly, you know, you want them, ultimately you want them to have fun and you want them to be able to enjoy the experience. So you can't make it too regimented, but at the same time, uh, having a good, well-rounded program like U.S. Uh, Kids Golf is a great way to start that and Cindy, this brings me into the into the three levels that I want to talk about. Uh, as I mentioned, with the advanced, um, intermediate, and beginning golfer, let's start with the beginning golfer, and that really classifies in in, in that category of student is um, they tend to be wildly, obviously, inconsistent. Uh, uh, for those that uh, and we'll go a little bit above what uh, what you're teaching this morning, but they tend to be players that shoot double bogey golf or worse, so, sort of fall into that beginning golfer. So since most of these kids uh, are beginners, Cindy. And I know that they're obviously. Uh, what age range are they are they at? We take them anywhere from five to seventeen. Okay. So you've got a well a well capped uh, uh, age range. You've got them from yeah. Our age. typical age is between nine and twelve. To be honest with you. Okay. So. Uh, Using sort of some of the formula that you're going to be using today, what are some of the things that you start off? Now, for, for most uh, beginning golfers, obviously you want to start. It's critical, I think, to, to build a solid base for these players uh, with, with some good fundamentals, teaching them the grip and things like that. Is that basically kind of how you start things off with them? Yeah, we're going to start with the short game. So we're going to start with putting and then work our way back to chipping and then pitching, which will then help us get to full swing. Right. Now, on these on these camps, do you revisit some of the, the fundamentals? Um, as I said, the stance, the grip, and that sort of thing? Or oh, most absolutely. Of these... that's what, no, that, that's what exactly what we're going to start with. If you can't hold the... If you don't hold the club right, you can't be, you know, perform the task. So, the grip and the stance are absolutely mandatory. Yeah, and, and, and that's really, you know, I think to, to start with a good foundation... For any golfer, uh, what regardless of what level you're at, but particularly for the beginning golfer, I think that they have to start with a good base of fundamentals uh, in order to be able to play. And I think if you don't start with that, it opens up the door for for a myriad of, of issues. Um, what about things like? And I know these are, are kind of young. Do you also work with them in, in helping them develop a, a pre-shot routine as well to get them into that habit of doing that? Yeah, but I think, well, in the pre-shot routine that I teach, I've got a little pre-shot routine card, so that sets them up to be able to get ready to hit a shot. And, yes, I do that. But I do that with all my students, no matter how good they are. Because most times right. people are gripping it incorrectly, or they're too far, or they're too close to the ball, their arms are too tight. Their weight's back on their heels, they're not bowing, they're sitting, you know, so absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's critical for, for that level of golfer. Um, and, and, and as you said, for any really level of golfer, um, to not only start with the fundamentals, but also develop a, a pre-shot routine. 
What what for, and and you can do this in the form of a percentage, Cindy, if you want. But uh, I'd like to maybe have you get into a little bit more specifics, if you wouldn't mind. Um, how much time do you do you feel with, with particularly? Let's again deal with the beginning golfers right now. Do you want to spend on the range or the practice tee, and how much do you want, if any, uh, do you want to get them out on the golf course? Well, you know, it's funny because we've been doing a lot of playing lessons lately, and i I got to tell you, it, some people preach that you got to take them out on the course immediately, but in my opinion, you can't take them on the course if they can't hit the ball. So, you know, a playing lesson is going to give you course management tips and strategies on how to play the golf course to fit your ability level, and if you can't hit the ball where we want you to hit it, then we need to go back to the range. Now, the minute somebody can bunt it 100 yards with a half swing straight, now we can go on the course. People, what I have found is people, you know, it's almost like they want to eat an elephant, and they're trying to take a huge bite out of it, and they don't know how to hold the club. So, I try to encourage them to get back to the basics and learn, you know, what exactly am I doing? How do I do this? How do I set up? How do I aim? You know, people think they should aim with their shoulders when they should really aim with the club face. So it's just very confusing, and I, I want to clear the confusion, if you will. Yeah, well said. You know, and I agree with, with your analogy wholeheartedly. I think it it's great, you know, if you've got a player who – um, you know, is able to, to hit the ball relatively well to get them out on the golf course and, and work on course management. But it's very difficult, for I think, for a student to really be able to focus on that aspect of their game if they're struggling with their ball, uh, their ball striking abilities. Because if they're not hitting the ball well, as you know, Cindy, frustration starts to develop and they lose interest and they're not really focusing on what the task is at hand. So you're right. I think bringing them back to the practice tee and, and getting them to and, – and they certainly don't have to strike the ball perfectly every time, but they need to have some level of consistency. And that sort of walks into the next level – which is the intermediate golfer. And I know that you said that most of the ones that you're dealing with today uh, are, are beginning golfers, but you do work obviously with some intermediate golfers as well. And, and just to, for the uh, audience listening out there, just to sort of see what falls into more, a more intermediate golfer, here's sort of the uh, analogy, if you will. Um, this category tends to be a golfer who has, um, some, has some yet limited control over the golf ball. In other words, they can hit some, uh, some decent shots here and there, but they still lack some consistency. And these players tend to range from bogey to double bogey golf. So they're not really um, always hitting double bogey or worse. Uh, they can get some bogeys in there, maybe even get a few pars once in a while, but they still have some issues um, with that. So with intermediate golfers, uh, again, Cindy, I think you want to revisit uh, with any player, really uh, revisit the fundamentals and help them to build that solid base. Do you get into anything, and, and again, you're dealing with juniors, so I mean, you don't want to get too complicated. Do you ever talk to them a little bit about ball flight laws and helping them to understand how the ball reacts in a certain situation and why it does? Absolutely. Um, the ball goes where the face point, and, and Ted, you know as well as I that almost all of our students come to us because they have a pain. It's not typically, you know, okay, I want to go to the next level, you know, sometimes that's the case, but typically at this point in time of the year for us up here, people have gotten out, played a little bit, and now they're in a slump and they're panicking, so they want to come and fix their bad shot. So, right. 
whether it's a junior, no matter what level of player it is, they need to understand why the ball goes where it goes. And because we're not going to be with them all the time, so they need to know what caused that miss. And if they can understand that, then they can fix themselves. Right, exactly. And that, that, again, brings up another great point. I think that a lot of golfers out there, I think, and, and this certainly when, you know, when we talk about ball flight laws and, and having players being able to understand why things are happening the way they are, it's not certainly to replace the, the teacher or golf coach. We're certainly not inciting in to do that. But as you pointed out, Cindy, we're not with them day in and day out. We might see them once a week. We might see them you know, every couple of weeks, depending on what, what, uh, what they've signed up for. And the problem with that is when they're away from us, they don't have that extra set of eyes to really sort of guide them. So if they have an understanding of what's happening and why the ball is reacting the way that it is when the club face is open or closed or what have you, or if their swing path is, is uh, coming from severely out to in, what, what reaction it's going to have uh, on the ball, I think if they have an understanding, then it kind of gives them an idea of, okay, I'm not going to do this on the golf course, but maybe after my round, I'm going to go to the practice tee and I'm going to work on some of those things that, that I've been experiencing out in the golf course. Because the biggest mistake that a lot of amateur golfers, Cindy, uh, is they try to fix everything while they're playing in their round. And that's, that's a, and as far as I'm concerned, that's taboo. Um, and I want to ask you that sort of the same question I ask you with the beginners is, again, about how much time do you want to allocate to range and golf course with your intermediate players? Is that percentage kind of shift a little bit more one way or the other do you think or again does it depend on their ability I think it depends on their ability and they need to um, they need to show me that they know how to set up to hit a shot and plan a shot and produce a shot so I'll play little games with them out on the range say okay let's go at the 150 yard marker now let's go at the 100-yard marker, and now let's go here, and now let's go there, and change it up, because I don't think that they're aware of how much thought uh, goes into hitting a shot and planning it. I think they just step up and whack, and they don't pay attention, and when they don't pay attention, the ball goes wherever the heck it goes, because they're just lashing away. So, I think it's more um, fixing their internal dialogue teaching them how to plan and prepare to hit a golf shot and then to produce the shot. Because it really shouldn't matter where they are. If they're on a driving range and they're trying to hit a five iron at a target, it's the same process as if they're on the 18th pole of the Masters and they have to hit a five iron up the hill on the green to win. So the procedure is the same. It's whether or not they can do it. And they go, yeah, well, it's different when it's on the course. Well, no, it's not. And if, if you're making the shot on the course have more value, then you haven't gotten the point. The point is you've got to know what the process is to plan, prepare, and produce a shot. Yeah, and, and I think just to add to your point, uh, and, and why I think a lot, you're right, there, there's value on the golf course. There's also consequences on the golf course. On the driving range, if you hit a bad shot, you know, you just move on to the next uh, opportunity and you, you try to hit the next shot a little bit better. On the golf course, of course, there's penalties. You're losing a stroke or you maybe put yourself into trouble. So there, there's definitely value in a shot on the golf course. And I think what happens, and we've talked about this before, moving from the, the range uh, out to, to uh, actual play, 
is very difficult for a lot of uh, golfers, especially the beginning golfers and even the intermediate golfers. Now, the more advanced golfers, I think, start to, and this is what we're going to move into now is the advanced golfers, and that is the group or category that uh, tends to play better golf. They tend to be more consistent with their ball striking and tend to have a better understanding of their game. But there's still things that they need to work on as well. And for the advanced players, um, again, you know, as Cindy alluded to in the beginning, with all levels of golfers, we want to revisit uh, the fundamentals. You know, Cindy uh, Jack Nichols talked about in his, um, his famous video, Golf My Way, every season he began with a, with a checkup of his fundamentals. Uh, regardless of who he was working with, Jack Grout or, or, or anybody else, uh, he always revisited his fundamentals. And, you know, of course, he went on to win many, many major tournaments. So that's a, that's a key right there is we want to make sure that they're understanding it. And what we mean by fundamentals is your grip, your stance, your posture, uh, ball position, um, and alignment. And those are things that you want to work on all the time. Every time you're out in the practice tee, you want to revisit those fundamentals. Um, and, and, of course, you know we want to continue on with that discussion of ball flight laws and, and what happens. And you might want to get a little bit more detailed, wouldn't you, Cindy, I think with an advanced player than maybe an intermediate and a beginning player. Absolutely. I mean, they can they can handle, you know, solid food, if you will, because they've right. been there and they've done it. And and that's the one thing about golf is very rarely do you skip a step. You know, typically, if you have accomplished, you know, being at the an advanced player, you've learned an awful lot of lessons and you've been through the war, if you will, and you've got battle scars and you know what you're doing. So that point. You know, there's we fine-tune things, and it might just, you know, it could be tiny little things that make a huge difference. Don't you find? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, the other thing, Cindy, and, and we, we've talked about this at, at length uh, throughout the various shows over here the last few years, is really about the, the mind game, if you will, or the mental game, as some may refer to it. Um, but again, it's it's a process, I think, through the different levels. I mean, obviously, a beginning golfer, you're not going to get into too much uh, detail or too much uh, focus or thought on that aspect. You certainly want to introduce it to them, but again, you want to you want to focus on the areas that they need to develop. You want to develop a good shot, a good uh, pre-shot routine, good sound fundamentals and not get into so much the course management with a beginning golfer because again, I think one of the biggest mistakes is is if we get too quick and too soon uh, at an early stage, it becomes overwhelming for the player. So just under your own assessment and, and what you found to be successful in your your teaching, Cindy, where do you sort of start and how much is is enough for each player working through those different levels again? With the beginning golfer, how much do you get into the sort of the mental side of golf? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I'm going to answer it a different way. I would. I am always sure. talking about the mental side of golf, even though they may not know I am, but the your brain is your control tower. So if you don't know what you're doing, you know, and you don't have a process, then you can't expect to be able to hit a shot. So I think people's perceptions of what they should be able to do are typically different than what the truth is. And let me give you an example. You know, we both know that the committee of day is a huge big deal in golf. You could give someone right. a lesson today, you know, this morning at, at 10 o'clock and have them hitting the ball perfectly, 
and at 12 o'clock have them go out to play with a group of friends, and on the fourth hole they're going to hit a chunk chip, and three of their friends in the group are going to tell them everything they just did wrong. Now, if they right. don't know for certain what they were working on in the lesson, they're going to be open to the criticism and the comments of the committee. <clears throat> and then they're going to listen to that, and then they're going off on a path that's not going to solve the issue. So they need to know, wait a minute, I just fixed this at 10 o'clock this morning. I appreciate you trying to help me. I know exactly what I need to do here to accomplish the task at hand. But most people don't do that. They go, oh, oh, okay, let me try that. Oh, no, let me try this. And then they watch the golf channel, and then they read all the magazines, and then they're, now they're so confused they don't know which end is up. So they're so susceptible to the opinions <laughs> of the committee that they don't stay focused on what the process is. So do yeah, I get that, into the mental game? Yeah, I get them. I, I'm, I'm always giving them a solution. No one wants to know everything they do wrong. Tell me how to fix it. So I'm always working on solutions. And if they don't, they don't leave the lesson to you without getting better. Right. And and that that's a great point. And, and I like how you put that, you know, the committee of they um, – you know, I, I can remember earlier on playing with some of my friends back home and, you know, some of them would come to me for, for lessons and then we'd get out of the golf course and, you know, Paul over here would, would you know, hit a bad shot and, you know, uh, Dave or somebody else would, would chime in and say, well, you need to be doing this and you need to do that. And I'm saying, well, you just paid me, you know, X number of dollars this morning. You know, who are you going to listen to? You know, you've got to be careful of that. And And it's not that you know, your friends don't mean well, but, you know, everybody plays a different game and you have to play to your, your game and not how somebody else plays. What might work for them may not necessarily work for you. And yes, there are certain underlying fundamentals and basics uh, to golf, but at the same time, everybody's swing is unique and different. And that, that committee of day is, is, I think, has been a detrimental part of, of what's helped unravel uh, many good golfers out there or potentially good golfers because they get too many messages coming in, as you said, Cindy. And by the time, you know, and, and again, not to criticize the golf channel or this other, but if you're going to go to an instructor or teach a professional and have them work with you or a coach, depending on what level you're at, then you need to focus on that individual. And if they're not the right one for you, then certainly seek out and find someone that is better suited for you. But don't go to that individual and sign up for, you know, a myriad of lessons and, and have them go through all the motions of, of working with you and setting a game plan and, and setting the parameters of what you need to be working on and then tune in at, at uh, you know, 10 o'clock tonight to the Golf Channel and listen and, and incorporate 50 other different things that you're seeing uh, on TV or you're surfing on the Internet and somebody pops up a video and, oh, this sounds like it might be good. Because what ends up happening is the next time you go for that lesson, and Cindy, I'm sure we, we both have experienced this many times, and they say, well, I saw this video, and he said I should be doing this. Well, where are you going to get your information from? You have to decide, first and foremost, how you're going to uh, put that together uh, in order to play, uh, I think, better golf, correct? Yes, but here's, here's the bottom line. I had a gentleman yesterday come in who, it's funny, once you infiltrate a country club, and I just have to explain, I'm writing... Uh, a series of columns for the Buffalo News throughout the summer called the On Your Game Series, which we've done on the program. 
Right. So I'm talking about, you know, define your game, the pregame, who are you, why are you playing, blah, 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 blah. So this past week was the physical game, and, you know, the ball goes for the face point. So that's not um, – that's a concrete fact. The ball goes where the face points. So if right. you're shaking the ball, the face is open. End of story. Well, there's no argument there. Now, this gentleman comes in and he says, you know, I'm trying to turn. I said, okay, you're trying to turn. You're trying to get your weight over to your left side. And I said, so well, I wonder why you're shaking it, you know? And he goes, well, I don't know. And he goes, I'm a mess. So I said, well, I'll tell you why you're shaking it, because you're getting your weight to your left side. What do you mean? I said, well, what you're trying to do is causing your shank. Well, you're kidding. I said, no. I said, so all the people that tell you to get your weight to your left side, keep your arms straight, turn, are keeping me in business. Now, he said right. to me, after he hits it perfectly straight and kills it, he goes, I don't know. This is going to be hard to do. I said, okay. <laughs> are you hitting it better? Yes. I said, well, then why is it hard to do? So, Again, I don't think they realize how ridiculous they sound when the solution is giving you straight ball flight. It may feel weird. It may be opposite of what you heard on the golf channel, but the ball is now going straight. So the ball is the evidence of what you're doing with the clubs, and now you're getting the correct response, and you're going to argue with it? He goes, yeah, you're right. right. And I said, okay, so there happens to be one member at this club who I know who would, I, and I call it the different church. You know, there's, right. oh, there's not one way to sway a club. There's a lot of ways to sway a club. So I said, you're, this guy believes, and he's a member. He's not a pro, right? And the guy right. probably shoots right. 85. But everybody thinks he's so smart, right? So he's... Yep. He now thinks he's the expert to fix his buddies. And the funny thing is, is one of the buddies was on suicide watch, right, when he came into me. He goes, oh, my God, I can't believe how much you fixed that guy. I go, well, because he was in such pain, he was willing to listen. You know, when you're about to yep. die, you'll do anything. So, right. <laughs> long, long story short, you can go listen to everybody else, but that's only going to make you more crazy. Once we give you the solution and you hit the ball better, you better write down, text yourself, do something to make sure you remember because there's going to be internal and external distraction. Right, exactly. And, and, that, and, and we hear that so much. You know, I remember when I was about uh, six or seven, when I was first taking up golf, my father said to me, uh, who, who actually started me out playing uh, at that age, he said to me, he said, Ted, he said, a, a good golf grip is going to feel funny and awkward and uncomfortable to you um, once you once you learn it. And I said, well, why would it feel uncomfortable and awkward? He said, because you're not using one right now, and it's going to feel different. And the truth was, he was right. It felt very it felt very foreign to me because you know obviously at that age I didn't know how to play very much uh, very well. And you know as he was teaching me the fundamentals. He said it's going to feel very unnatural at first because you're used to gripping the club in a different way, which is not the way you, you know, the proper way you should be. And I think going to your point that you just said about this member is he had been doing things a certain way, and now you've taught him the, the correct and proper way to do things. It was foreign to him. It was unnatural to him because he hadn't been doing it all this time. But yet it produced the results that he wanted. But yet he was still questioning 
what the, the methodology that you were trying to explain to him. And that just goes to the point that committee of they is, you know, you have to look at the results. If the results are what you're wanting, but it may be different than what you're used to, um, then obviously you, you need to make a change. If you're hitting bad shots all the time, then something you're doing is wrong, and you need to find out what it is. And it's going to feel unnatural. It's going to feel di- different for the first little while um, once the correct changes are made. But stick with it, and it'll work. And quit listening to your buddies on the golf course, because um, especially if you're playing for money, because the last thing they want to do is see you get better. They want to keep taking your money week in, week out, correct? Correct. <laughs> right. So, correct. But, yeah, well, well said, Cindy. Um, I see that Kathleen's ready for let me. So let me just uh, do a quick introduction here, and uh, we'll bring her on the show and, and continue on uh, the discussion. Um, uh, Kathleen, as I mentioned at the beginning, is our special guest this morning. Uh, she's a Class A LPGA teacher professional, graduated uh, with a master's in kinesiology from uh, Indiana, Indiana University, uh, with a solid foundation of over 25 years' experience in the health and fitness. Uh, she's practiced everything from competitive golf, tennis. Uh, personal training, bodybuilding, uh, and even uh, was a ski instructor for disabled. Uh, but her extensive experience is but a small drop in the bucket, if you will, of what Kathleen's uh, as good as what she does. Kathleen is a passionate person and has a zest for whole body, uh, body wellness. Boy, my tongue's tied this morning. Uh, and it is infectious. She strongly believes in the whole life balance and knows the game of golf combined with yoga and fitness instruction and uh, has developed a great way to achieve this. So without further hesitation, let's bring out our very special guest this morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Well, hello. Kathleen, so how are you? Us. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to, uh, you know, I'm honored that you asked me to be a part of this. I've, I've never actually been on a radio talk show, so I'm feeling pretty important this morning. <laughs> well, good. Well, we're glad that you were able to join us. We're glad that you were able to join us, uh, Kathleen, and, and let's just, um, I guess, jump into it. We were talking about earlier, Sydney uh, and I, about the different levels of golfers, the beginning golfers and, and intermediate and advanced. If you were sort of to sum up how you would approach each of the, the different levels of golfers, and we're leaving the pros out here for the time being, um, we're just talking about really our amateur golfers, but there's different levels of beginner, intermediate, and advanced. How would you approach each uh, differently and why? You know, I, I, regardless of the level of player, I always start with foundations. I'm very much a foundation um, instructor, so, you know, if I had a beginner, oh, sorry, I'm sitting outside. If I had a beginner, um, intermediate or advanced, I start with a lot of foundational principles, you know, grip, stance, aim, and alignment, um, and just really kind of go over what, right. their, what their goals are. I think it's really important. Uh, yeah, we we agree as well. Um, what about as far as actually um, areas of game? Do you obviously with a beginning golfer you don't want to overwhelm them with too much information. Um, besides working on the fundamentals, what do you try to instill with the beginning golfers? What do you try to work on first and foremost uh, after the fundamentals with the beginning golfer? You know, part of my whole thing with my teaching is I really want them to kind of understand golf from a perspective of what's realistic, you know, what their expectations are as they begin the game and as they kind of go down, you know, this journey. I mean, a big part of what I'm doing right now, you know, from a physical perspective as well is, you know, I look at a lot of my players um, and one of the, the one of the foundational things I look at is, you know, their athleticism. 
Um, physical ability is huge. Uh, the program that I've just recently trademarked called Yoga Fit for Golf, one of the things that I look at from a physical perspective with a lot of my students is, you know, what's accessible in their body. I think accessibility is, is huge. Um, what's sustainable and what's repeatable. Um, you know, I have a lot of students, whether they're, you know, beginner, intermediate, or advanced, they come to me and I get the old, you know, I just really want help with consistency and full swing. <laughs> and I, and I kind of look at him and I say, huh, that's kind of a tall order, but, but let's see what we can do. And, um, you know, I recently wrote an article for a magazine right. here in, um, in Denver regarding what, you know, what consistency really means because, you know, I think I really want people to understand that the only thing that's really consistent in this world is change. And that, you know, even the tour players, you know, in in a round of golf hit maybe one or two pure, pure, pure shots. And I think it's important for players to kind of understand, you know, what the level of expectations they have and if they're even attainable. You know? Yeah, well said. said. And, And that's true. You know, a lot of golfers come to the lesson tee, if you will, with sometimes a pretty tall order. And a lot of times you have to break it down and and simplify it a little bit because they get to, you know, Cindy was talking about here a few moments ago uh, about the committee of they. And what we mean by that, of course, is, you know, they'll they'll come to, you know, an instructor like yourself or Cindy or myself, and they'll have a, a series of lessons, but then they get out in the golf course and their buddies are telling them how they should be doing all these different things when they hit a bad shot. And it's not an always easy thing to be able to break that habit um, because, you know, they're exposed to their friends on a regular basis, you know, when they're playing week in and week out. And they have to sort of put on a filter, if you will. Um, I want to back up just a little bit, if we can, Kathleen, and and talk about first of how you got into teaching golf, a little bit about your background and and education at at, uh, IU. Oh, okay. um, My undergraduate, well, I, I started playing golf when I was six and was a little country club kid, which was amazing and wonderful. Now that I'm an adult, I realize um, what a great life I had, <laughs> being able to play golf and hang out at the club every day. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a big part of my upbringing. Both my parents were big golfers, and it was just, you know, such a such a lovely thing to do with my family. And then when I moved, I got my master's. Uh, my undergraduate was PE and health, and then I decided to get a master's degree um, with the kind of a push from my adapted PE teacher in my undergraduate class. And so the, the program that I went through, um, the concentration was adapted PE, so I did work with uh, children with disabilities um, and special needs. And it's kind of this kind of ongoing mm-hmm. joke on the lesson tee. I always let my students know that I have experience with special needs, so they're all very comfortable when they come to me. <laughs> And then um, I started my company, Link, back in uh, 2000, actually. I was a uh, life coach, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go over to the local golf course here in uh, Colorado, right by my house, and teach some lessons. And I think I'm going to charge, like, three bucks an hour. And uh, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was recruited by the head pro there, and he said, you know, are you with the LPGA and whatnot? And I said, no, but but maybe I should. And so I ended up joining the LPGA and um, completed my Class A just this year. It's taken me a while after kids and marriage and whatnot. And, and then I t- moved my business and made it into a golf and wellness company. Um, I've been a trainer since I was 16 years old, and I'm now 46. So um, I really wanted to bring fitness as part of my, my uh, kind of business, whole body business with golf. 
And then um, two, three years ago, actually, I decided to uh, become a yoga instructor and went through a certification and just, you know, realized all the parallels of yoga and golf. But more for me, it's more of kind of the mental piece of yoga that kind of brought me to put together this Yoga Fit for Golf program. And, and I love to play. My husband plays. My daughter plays. Um, it's a big part of my life, and I think it's one of those things that teaches you so much about yourself and about life, and that's why I love the game, and I continue. it continues to amaze me, and I've been playing all my life. So that's my story. You know, Kathleen, you know, Kathleen, it raises up, and you, you made a, a point earlier on about, you know, how you sort of brought up in that golf environment. But there's a lot of uh, kids out there and a lot of even adults out there that maybe didn't have that same accessibility growing up. So they don't get it. They don't understand um, the parallel between life and golf um, and how much, as you just pointed out, golf really does kind of mirror life in many ways with the different challenges that you face. Maybe touch on that a little bit, what you learned growing up, um, you know, out on the golf course and how it sort of has applied to your life, how it sort of mirrors and or mimics, if you will, um, some of your life experiences. Well, I that's you know I don't want to get on my soapbox, but that's one question and, and no. some things that I really like to talk about. You know, I one of the things I say to a lot of my beginners um, when they come to my lesson tee and when we kind of talk about the parallels is, you know, I say first of all, just so you know. The ball very rarely goes where you want it to go. On occasion, it does, and it's great. And there's going to be days where you step on the golf course, and it's the most fabulous experience, and there's going to be days like you never put a club in your hand. And that's exactly like life. You know, there's just going to be days where you can show up and do your best, and the results are going to be amazing, and there's going to be days when you wake up and you do your best, and the results are not going to be there. And I think, you know, the, the other thing about golf is it teaches you a tremendous amount of patience, and it keeps you incredibly humble. And um, I think that those are very, very important life lessons, you know, and it's, it's similar to the practice of yoga, not from a physical perspective but more from a mental perspective, is that you just have to continue to do your best and, and show up. And, you know, when you get out there and you keep trying and know that each day is going to be different, I think it allows you to kind of loosen your grip per se uh, on life and golf, and those, that's kind of the parallels that I draw. I mean, it just just really keeps things in perspective. It's such an up-and-down game, much like life, you know, and, and we get so caught up in the down and we forget about the up. And so I think golf really teaches us if we can stick to, you know, really relishing in those beautiful moments on the golf course and kind of let go of the crappy stuff, it becomes a little bit more enjoyable. Amen. Yeah, and, and I like the fact that, yeah. So, yeah. Cindy, go That's ahead. I, you, I know you've got it. some questions as well. Um, No, I really don't. I just uh, Cindy, I totally ahead. agree with every. I said I really don't have any questions. I, I agree with her wholeheartedly. She speaks the truth. And, you know, and, you know. And, I think, and I think, you know, one of my missions with, with my program, Yoga Fit for Golf, is that, you know, I think as we age and even as children change that, you know, people really kind of, you know, from a physical perspective, if we don't understand our bodies and when they can and can't perform, we'll continue to beat ourselves up on the golf course. You know, why can't I do this and why can't I do that and why doesn't the ball go this way and why, blah, blah, blah. And so I think this this whole kind of mind-body thing that I'm I'm trying to really get my students to understand is that once they get this, 
A, if they are practicing yoga and they're really taking care of their bodies, they'll be able to play the game longer. And B, really understanding and appreciating golf for what it is, much like life, they'll enjoy it longer. And, you know, I think... I just think people are leaving the game because I don't have time or I'm not getting any better because, you know, I took, I took these lessons and we're just we're working on this path. It doesn't really work for my body, and I just don't know what to do, and I've spent thousands of dollars and I'm not getting any better. And, you know, everybody's just so different, and we have to really approach each student individually and what their body can do because our bodies are going to change and they're not going to perform like they did 20 years ago. And um, that's right. why I'm really passionate yeah, about and that this raises program. A, Go ahead. Yeah, that, that raises an interesting point, too, Kath, Kathleen, um, about that, about people changing and, and different types. Um, I, I think traditionally in, in the past, I think there's sort of been the mentality of a one, you know, one swing fits all um, category, and that's just not the case. I mean, obviously there's certain core fundamentals that have to be adhered to, but at Absolutely. the same time, everybody, as you said, it, it, their body types are different. People's flexibilities are different, and you can't, you know, if you were to have 10 students in front of you, um, there are certain things that we can keep consistent with each of them, but there are things that are going to be different with each of them as well, and, and you see that week in, week out on the, on the PGA or LPGA tours, uh, respectively. Um, talk a yeah. little bit more uh, about the philosophy that you've, you've sort of uncovered with golf, uh, your golf teaching and how you relate it to yoga. Well, how you know, yoga I've been helped? practicing, yeah, I mean, it's, there's two parts of, of the yoga portion, and, you know, I have, to be, I have to be a little careful how I tread from kind of like a little bit of a spiritual perspective, but a lot of times, you know, from a physical perspective, what I talked about was, you know, this whole thing that I kind of came up with, I don't know, probably, actually it was probably just a few months ago, when I'm working out in my own gym, I always have these great ideas, so I always keep a notebook, you know, and I'm always thinking about my work and, and how I want people to really kind of understand the yoga thing. But one of the principles that I came up with and have created is this whole thing around accessibility and sustainability because, you know, in a round of golf, you know, there's going to be times where your body is feeling great and there's going to be times when it gets tired. And that, that kind of level of of sustainability, you know, I I feel like when people start to get tired, let's say, because it's going to happen, they start trying harder, then they get injured, then they get angry, and then it just kind of starts to unravel. And so through, through, through the practice of yoga from more of a mental perspective is, you know, oftentimes I hear my students say, you know, I just want to turn my brain off. I just don't want to think about it. And, and I think there's, good portions to that, but if we don't create an awareness of our thoughts on the golf course, then we're not going to be able to change those thoughts. In other words, um, you know, I have the next column I'm going to write is about what's your golf story? You know, I have all these students that come to me like, oh, how do I change that one time when, you know, the number one hole, every time I go to the number one hole, I pull hook it in the, you know, in the, in the crap or whatever, and I said, well, maybe you should first start by changing your story. Right. Because these are the stories that you're telling yourself. And we all know that if we get on that hole that we don't like, right, when we step on it, we're like, oh, I don't like this hole. I always pull hook it into the water. Well, if you keep telling yourself that story over and over and over again, it's never going to change. And some of these are the principles of yoga where we have to be, you know, be aware of these negative stories we're telling ourselves. So when we get out on that hole in the next couple weeks, I love this hole. I always hit it down the middle by the 150 marker. This is my favorite hole on the golf course. And as we start to tell ourselves new stories, 
our game will change and improve, guaranteed. And that's kind of yeah, part of the and, mental piece of yoga. Right. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, Kathleen, because, uh, you know, I had a, a gentleman years ago that used to come to me, a similar story would come to me and say, you know, the first hole I'd, you know, I'd pull up my driver and I'd always, you know, hit it over here or I'd hit it over there and it happens every single time. And he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, why don't you, instead of pulling your driver, try and tee off with a different club? Right. And he never, you know, right. and, and it was a very, you know, it's certainly not going to solve the, the entire problem. But again, it's it's changing that story. If you're, if you're you know, hitting a club and you're not hitting it consistently or you're hitting it poorly, then don't use that club until such time as you are hitting it better. You know, move somewhere else, change your story. And, and a lot of people are, are afraid to do that. They keep repeating. It's kind of like what's that analogy that you often hear. If you keep making the same mistake and expect different results, that's the definition of insanity. And, right. you know, that's, and that's true. Yeah. You, know, pe- you know, people st- keep doing the same thing. Um, you talked about your uh, a number of times here. You talked about your yoga uh, fit for golf. Um, you obviously uh-huh. offer some trips, schools, and retreats. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, where can people? Uh, what types of retreats and things do you have, and and uh, and how can people learn more about that? Well, um, so what I've what I've put together. I just completed my third women's golf and yoga retreat in Beaver Creek here in Colorado. And the way the weekend is set up is, um, you know, we do yoga classes, and the the classes are specifically, you know, designed around certain poses to help strengthen and restore the body. I I touch a lot on um, kind of the mental portion of the game and talk about, you know, some Sanskrit principles around yoga and, you know, changing the mindset and whatnot. So the weekend is really fun. It, It generally starts out with a nice cocktail reception where everybody just kind of meets and talks about their goals, and we have people set intentions for the weekend. And then we do clinics, and we do on-course instruction for two days, and then along with, um, like, you know, three to four different yoga classes. And it's definitely a, a, an opportunity for, I mean, I've just done women's retreats. I'm trying to get some co-ed ones going, but I feel like the men are a little still kind of, you know, leery of the yoga portion, but, you know, we're going to keep after right. it. But the the yoga fit for golf is, is more about, you know, how yoga can help the game and you and life and where after a weekend with me and this program is people kind of walk away with a new perspective not only about their game but about about their lives as well and all the parallels and I just I see these light bulbs go off and I see these women just really kind of have this this different outlook on both and that's and that's my goal I had a woman that um I did a short version like a little one-day workshop and um I, you know, I asked for a testimonial, and, and this is, you know, this is what this is what I want people to say. And, and she said it. She said, "This is the first time in 15 years I feel like I can play the game." And and that right there is so profound because I want people to to understand and look at golf differently. Then then we're looking through we're looking through a lens of I think that's super unrealistic, and that's why people are leaving the game. And so part of this program is for them to kind of fall in love with it again in a different arena. And so I'm doing most of my trips here in Colorado. I do have an international one planned for November in Spain. Um, and all of that stuff is my, on my website, which is the link golfandwellness.com. So, but, yeah, just to really get away and, and, and kind of restore and rejuvenate and revive and, and just kind of, you know, improve your game, but yet improve your lives. So that's, that, those are the programs. That sounds awesome. Yes, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I just my heart and soul is is really into this, and 
You know, I think just part of my love of the game is that, you know, we we as a society are just so hooked into technology and this fast-paced life. And by really taking time for yourself, and I think that's, you know, I hear a lot of times some of my golfers say, well, the the game is dying because I just don't have time. And I'm like, we have the same 24 hours in our schedule that we had 20 years ago. It's a matter of where you choose to use your time and actually unplug and be outside and enjoy your life without being connected to a phone or a computer. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Um, that's just that's my whole thing. And, and and I'm you know I'm 40. I guess I'm 47 now. And you know I just I really see. I have a little one. She's she's almost seven. But I just see people just are on autopilot. And and I think golf is such a way to be present, you know, in life and in your emotions and with your friends and out in nature, and and that's where I think the magic happens. Yeah, and you got to be grateful. And yes, it's, who, mean, just, who cares where the stupid little white ball goes? It doesn't matter because it's not going to very rarely ever go where you want it to anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think we might have lost Ted, Cass. I don't, I don't hear him. And typically he speaks up, so I think he might have gotten lost. Um, okay. Tell me how to pronounce your last name. It's Heine, H-E-I-N-E-Y. So like the German pronunciation. Correct. <laughs> I got it. I took German. That's oh, awesome. Right. Yeah. Well, I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to have to break us off soon because I have to teach a junior camp right now. Okay. And Ted's not here, so... Tell our listeners again one more time how we find you. And so my website is L, yeah, it's L-I-N-C, and it stands for Live, Inspire, Nurture, and Commit, Golf, G-O-L-F, and A-N-D-Wellness.com. And all my information is on my website. Super. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you on again, and uh, hopefully some people will sign up for a trip to Spain. Yes. Thank you so much, Cindy. Have a great day, my dear. Thank you again. Okay. All right, you Bye-bye. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, hello, everybody, and I'm not sure what happened there. We seem to have had, uh, I guess, some sort of a power outage, so I apologize um, for those of you, and I apologize to uh, our guest, Kathleen, who uh, I, ple- I believe has, has probably ended the uh, the call. So, um, anyways, I just wanted to uh, come back on and, and apologize. I'm not sure what happened, but it looks like we've had some sort of a power outage uh, here and, and had some difficulty getting back in through the system. But uh, anyways, um, we do appreciate. We'll try and have Kathleen on again in the future and, and hopefully continue on the conversation. But in the meantime, I want to thank uh, our very special guest, Kathleen Heine. And again, I apologize, Kathleen, if you're listening. I'm not sure what happened, but it looks like we had a, a temporary uh, blackout here or, or power outage, uh, which caused the uh, the system to go down and it was unable to uh, to get it back up uh, in time uh, before we close the program. But uh, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, uh, we appreciate you joining in this morning to the Women of Golf Show, and we hope that you'll come back next Tuesday uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and join us uh, here on blogtalkradio.com's Women of Golf. Thank you, everybody, and thank you for the, all the listeners for faithfully tuning in. We appreciate uh, all your continued support uh, of the program, and uh, we will see you next time. God bless everybody, and thank you.